Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Fantastic. We're on a, uh, a new series um, called What Three Words? Um, which you know what that is based on. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a location app. Um, that you're, there's a location for anywhere you are uh, in the world. And so um, we're using that as a title of What Three Words. And my topic this morning is Where Are You? Where are you? The first time that somebody said, Where are you? was my dad. I was four years old, came into the bedroom, I was hid behind the curtain. And he said, where are you? And at that, I jumped and I fell out of the window. It was a first story bedroom window. And I fell backwards. The the window was on the latch. And I fell out. And I fell onto the concrete down below. Now, no comments, please. Um, That's where the damage was done. But I and my my nana, granddad, and my mum... Uh, were watching television in the front room and he saw this thing come flying past the window Um, because we were mischievous children very often it was pillows it was teddies it was whatever we could find but this time it was moi and I fell out my bedroom window I went to hospital quite serious but I was okay and not funny enough but funny enough uh, exactly the same happened to my um, middle son Dale um, we were clearing out uh, a block of flats in Liverpool. And unfortunately, the same thing happened to him. The, the, the top story of a uh, block of Maisonette flats, fourth story. Um, long story, but he, he fell out the window and went crash on the, on the floor down below onto flags. Um, horrendous day. Uh, went down all the flights of stairs and there he was, just lay on the floor. Um, and I picked little Dale up. And, and got him out of the way because all the women were shrieking and, and, and everything was going off and, and, and just held, held him in my arms and, and, and fortunately within 24 hours we were out of the hospital, pretty amazing, whereas there was a, a couple next to us in the next room, their little one had just toppled out of the uh, kitchen window and had died. Um, so, um, so yeah, there's a bit of a family trait so we try and keep windows locked God said to Adam and Eve, where are you? And it says this in Genesis 3 and verse 7. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? So God already knew what had gone on. Because of, Abra- uh, uh, because of Adam's response, he knew what had gone on. That he had partaken of a tree that was in the garden that he was told not to eat from. 
And that voice came, where are you? And that's what we're concentrating on this morning. Now, when God's voice came to Adam and Eve in the garden, they hid with shame because they knew that they had done something wrong. They knew that, that they were told to do something and they did the opposite. And what this happened was, number one, it caused them to hide. It says, so they hid. And that's what shame and guilt does to human beings. It causes them to hide. And for Adam and Eve, it took them down a road of shame, of blame, and cover-up. That's what happens when we feel that shame, when we know that we've done something that we should not have done, we go down the road of shame, blame, and cover up. And as you know the story, that Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, and the poor snake never had a leg to stand on. Okay, that's as good as it's going to get this morning. (laughs) We find here that there there became an issue. And what happens is when we start assigning our failing and issues onto somebody else, we're blaming somebody else for something that we have done. And it takes us down a whole road of blaming and shaming somebody else. And this is what was happening in the garden, that they were displacing their blame. And very often in life, we are given labels uh, or receive labels that excuse what we do. And I want to say to us this morning, as believers, and as Mark said, as people that are living by faith, that it's important that we don't live to a label, but we live to the liberty that Christ has made us free. Don't want to go off on one here too much, but enough to say that I'm I'm concerned where society is going and particularly in the area of labelling people, labelling youngsters, putting labels on people of all kinds of behaviours and things that are supposed to be wrong with them. Now, I'm not in denial that there are problems and issues that are going on, and they are getting more complicated as, as, as we're moving into the generation that we're moving into and the technology that is about and what uh, particularly our young folk are exposed to, it is causing uh, clearly um, a lot of mental health problems and issues and community issues. But what I see also happening is that Lots of people are getting lots of labels that they end up living up to. And for us as believers this morning, we need to make sure 
that we live according to what God says that we are and where we stand and not the label that anybody or anything wants to put on us. Otherwise, we live to the label and not to the liberty that where Christ has set you and I free. But until we accept the liability of what, and, and particularly Adam and Eve, until they accepted the liability of what they had done, they were never going to get it sorted. And that is what we're going to look at this morning, is accepting the liability of when we hide and when we feel that we have gone wrong. And what happens is we do create a whole world around the things that we don't deal with. And rather than dealing with them, rather than uh, it being a fight of faith and seeing what, what God has won for us and where he has placed us, we, we, we end up wearing the label. We end up accepting who we are. We end up accepting the problem, the issue, the torment. We say sin. We very often think sin is when we do something Naughty. No, sin is just when we miss the mark, when we mess up, when we go wrong. There was a man at the pool of Bethesda. And we see here that Jesus meets this man. And when Jesus meets this man, he asks him a, a peculiar question because he's been at this gate 30 odd years, knocking on 40 years, waiting for an answer and waiting for change. And what happens at this pool is that the angel comes down, it disturbs the water, the first one in finds healing. And when Jesus met this man, the first thing he said to him is, Do you want to be made well? Do you want to change? Do you want your circumstances to be different? But what was happening here is that he was blaming everyone and everything for the reason why he could not get into the pool. And by the answer of the question, it seems like he, had, he was almost stuck into that behavior of the way he was. And whatever his problem was, it doesn't particularly say what it was. He just had an issue for a long time. And Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? But never answered the question directly. He never said, no, of course I do. He, he just said, well, I can't get into the pool. Every time that the angel comes and disturbs the water, I can't get down to it quick enough. Somebody else beats me to it. Nobody else is there to help me. No one else is there to throw me uh, on, on their back and to take me down to the pool quickly. And there was reasons why he couldn't get down there and excuses why he couldn't get down there. And all he needed to do was answer the question to Jesus is, do you want to be made well? And so he was, found himself in this, this big area where this pool was that was comfortable for him to remain in the place that he was in. 
Do you want to be made well? I heard a great sermon on this. Um, Listen to it for yourself. It's called Step Out of Stock. And the picture on the screen was a pair of empty Wellingtons. And this is great for us this morning in moving into what we're going to move into for the last 10, 15 minutes. Is that there's a pair of Wellingtons, but nobody's in them, but the Wellingtons are stuck in mud. And the whole message is a bit about this man at Bethesda. Is that the person in the wellies is not stuck. It's the wellies that are stuck. And that you can step out of your wellies. And that is what the work of the cross is all about. Is that he has paid the price for your wrongdoing and for your issues and for your sin and the things that that you find hard to adjust and to change in your life. He has paid the price for that. And it's almost as if you are now in those pair of Wellingtons. And you might say, my Wellingtons are stuck in the mud. But the person in them, you that are in your life, God has made it possible for you to step out of your Wellingtons. And we're going to look at this in a little bit more detail. Because God has liberated you. God has set you free. And we looked at this two weeks ago. Where we talked about the fact that when God sees you now, he no more sees your sin. He no more sees your wrongdoing. you're, You're covered with a whole robe of righteousness. And when he looks at you, he doesn't look at your failings. And your wrongdoings, he just sees Jesus. And that's how all of us have a relationship with God this morning. Not by the fact that we're doing well and we're ticking boxes and that we're not falling into that sin anymore. Great, but that doesn't give you access to God. His blood gives you access to God. And it's from that point that you need to... It's from that point that you need to live your life. I was going to give these out, but you can collect them afterwards if you want one. I love giving little illustrations out. This is what's called a datum pin. It's a little sharp nail, a datum pin. What happens when we do a building, one of these are knocked into the pavement. Now, you're going to go around now, this next week, and you'll find these all over the place. You'll think, how come I've not seen these for 40-odd years? You'll see one of these. This is a datum pin. Please take one if you want one, just to remind you. And what happens is this datum pin is knocked into an area which is, which is a, a permanent fixture so it'll either go between two road curbs or it will go into tarmac it'll go outside of a building and you'll see it and you walk over hundreds of them every year and they'll knock that into the floor and from that pin any building will be set out 
And what happens is a site engineer will come, he has an instrument, and he will set his instrument right over that pin. And in that instrument are all the coordinates for the building. I mean, they've got really technical now, really technical. And it's all, it's, it's all done wirelessly. They, they have satellites on the top of the machines and all sorts now. But from that pin, he'll set his machine up and it will give you the coordinates for every corner and part of that building. The orientation of it, the length of it, the width of it, it will tell you everything. And even now they do 3D, um, uh, they can get it out on 3D as well. So from this point, that this building, any building will be set out. And my point of this is that we need to understand that our lives are set out from one point, and that is the cross. And if we try to please God, try to walk with God, try to, try to live with God and live for God, away from that point, you will do it from your own efforts. You'll be trying to please God. You'll be trying to tick boxes. You'll be trying to say, well, God, I, I haven't done that today, and normally I lose my temper, and I haven't done that. And so you feel a little bit more accepted of God, so you can actually pray to him. Been through all that stuff, and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We come from the setting out point, the datum point of the cross that he has dealt with our guilt, our sin, and our shame, and he has taken it away from us. So when we see here that when the voice comes, where are you, we do not need to hide. We see in Genesis that the first thing that they did was hide because of their shame. The Bible clearly says he has taken my sin and my shame. So there is no need to hide. God has already hidden your sin. He has already covered you this morning with our Bible reading. He has already covered you. The invitation now is that this is now a fight of faith. This is about me living the new life that he has got for me. This is not a fight to win, but a fight that has already been won. So every trial, every test, everything that you're going through is not something you're trying to win. And this is why I'm saying this is so important as your datum point. It's already been won. Your fight, your stress and your strain, the issues that you're fighting through and walking through at the moment have already been won. So you are now fighting from a place that has already been secured for you. Our job now as Christians is that we work out our salvation. This wonderful gift that's been given to us with fear and trembling. 
So we see here, let's travel through this quickly. Genesis chapter 4, 6 and 7. This is where there was Cain and Abel. Abel was the shepherd, Cain was the groundsman. They were both asked to bring something to God. They were both asked to bring a sacrifice to God. We, found, we find out that uh, Abel brought something of the best quality. And we find that Cain just brought something that he thought would do. And we're picking it up in verse 6. And it says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. So they were both asked to do the right thing. Cain decided not to. So it says here then, sin is crouching at your door. So let this be a picture now. It says, Cain, you were told to do this. And sin was crouching at your door. Eager to control you. But you must subdue it and master it. So sin was lying at Cain's door. That notion that I won't give the best. I'll keep some back from me. I was told to give the best, but I'll just give something. And God was saying, listen, sin is lying at your door. That notion is lying at your door. And it wants to, what did it say there? It, it's eager to control you. So those things in my life that I struggle with are eager to control me. They want to control me. But it says you must subdue it and master it. That's our job. So, in Romans chapter 6, in ver starting from verse 12, let me read this to you. Do not let sin control the way that you live. Remember when I say sin, it's not all the naughty things that you do. Sin is just going wrong, being misdirected, just missing the mark. She wants a mummy. Do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not let, do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an evil to serve sin. So here, there's a, a clear instruction from Paul. Do not, do not, do not. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So you use your body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Now listen what Paul says. Sin is no longer your master. Datum point. Sin is no longer your... It, you may be struggling with it, but it's no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. 
You're not living to the label. You're living to the liberty where he has made you free. So how does this work out? Romans 7. This is Paul now speaking. The trouble is with me. So this could be me speaking, okay? The trouble with me, for I am all too human. A slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. (laughs) That's me. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Now, this is the great Apostle Paul now. This is the great man. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I can hear my story here. I do the things that I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. Now, this is a, this is a whole new ball game. So he's saying now, so when I sin, when I go wrong, it's, it's not the new Paul, the saved Paul, the Paul that wants to live for God. He's saying it's the old Paul. It's the sin that's living in me that does it. Can you hear the perspective now? And I think when we start dealing and living and sorting out our lives from this perspective, I think it's helpful. I think it's really helpful. So he's, he's, he's declaring that there is a new person living here. This is the new creation, the new Paul. There is the old Paul. Sin is still there. We're living on this earth. Until I leave this earth and go to live within heaven, I will always have this fight and this war within me. So let's read on. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. So Paul's very clear that there is all this underlying stuff that he's dealing with. But there's no good thing in that because there is a new creation within me. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. So Paul's basically saying what's going on in his thought life and in his personal life. He's being very, very honest. And he's saying, oh, what a miserable person that I am. 
Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So after he said all that, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to serve God. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Can you see how this plays out now in our life? This new person in me just loves God and I don't want to do those things. And yet there's this other person on this side that keeps wanting to do those things and keeps failing and keeps going wrong and keeps hitting the mark. And then I can go over to this side and I can feel all good and I just know the mercy and the grace of God. And then something happens during the day and and I look at somebody wrong, I have a wrong thought or I I get angry or something happens and I'm very clear and and very aware of this, this old nature that is going on. And Paul says, who's going to save me from this wretchedness that I am? Jesus Christ will. Colossians chapter 3 says this, reading from verse 7. That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. But now it is time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech, and lying. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and and disguise, for you have acquired a new creation life which is continually being renewed in the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. Let me read that once more. These are very, very powerful words. Lay aside your old Adam self. So when we hit those times, and I haven't got enough Uh, time this morning to go into all that but when we hit those times when we feel that we're going to fall or fail or go wrong that we realize that we need to lay aside that old Adam self because we have acquired a new life creation within us that is making us and renewing us into the likeness of God. And when we begin to understand and and know where God has placed us, and know that voice comes to us in whatever guise it is, this was God's voice, where are you? But lots of voices can come into our life saying, where are you? What are you up to? You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be there. That we hear that voice and rather than hiding and blaming and shoving the blame onto somebody else, uh, that we take responsibility for that and say, okay, this is now a fight of faith. And that my old man I need to crucify. My old man I need to put down. 
And that during those times of battle, during those times that come into our lives, that we, that we understand that a price has been paid for this and that I can step out of those boots. I am not stuck. You are not stuck in those boots. And when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus and the finished work, you'll find that you'll be able to do that. I was having a great conversation with Kim. Kim wasn't going to come this morning. Kim was not. And then the next thing is, I have a conversation with her. She's up the front sharing a testimony. She's already made a decision this morning, even before the service started, was to step outside of St. Wellington's. And she did it and showed me the text. And that's what God does for us. He shows us that there is a way of escape. If you want to take a Dayton pin, I'm just going to leave this up here. Just as a little reminder for you. I love little reminders. If you want to just put it outside your front door, knock it with a hammer. into. So every time you go over your front door, so you think, I need to remember my Dayton point. Please take one. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.